Hello everyone, welcome you all to another episode on Usher On Air. Today with me, I have got Lars Clint and we are going to talk about multi-cloud, the most happening topic of now. Lars Clint is a senior developer evangelist at Pluralsight and he is a prominent contributor in Microsoft Azure space and hence he has been recognized as an MVP by Microsoft. And he is also a very popular YouTube creator. Happy to have you on our show, Lars. There is a lot of existing companies, a lot of very large companies, a lot of very established companies that don't necessarily need all of the cloud computing right now. There's really two, in my world, there's kind of two versions of multi-cloud. Mm-hmm. One is, well, you use more than one cloud provider. You would have to, in many cases, or most cases, I'd say, have to build your own systems that monitors and manages multi-cloud. Like if you talk to middle management in any IT company or big company, they always love to say lift and shift because it sounds easy and it never is. Right? It's, it's still really <laughs> difficult. It's still very complex. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, talk Azure. It's kind of what I do, so that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, Lars. We are so excited to learn a lot about multi-cloud uh, scenarios from you. So let us get started with uh, the very basic question of like, how how do you get engaged into the multi-cloud space? What invites you to be the part of multi-cloud scenarios? Sure. Um, so I've been, you know, a little, I'll backtrack a little bit. I've been Mm-hmm. I've been doing cloud computing for maybe 10 years, 12 years, ever mm-hmm. since sort of Azure was first out, not from the very, very beginning, but almost. Um, mm-hmm. And since, you know, the, the whole journey through, cloud computing has sort of been one of the tools that we use. I mean, I'm a software developer, so whenever I was writing code, it was one of those things you could use maybe for some of it, for the whole project, or parts mm-hmm. of it, whatever it might be. Um, and that's that's still true, but it has become more and more sort of dominant, I think, for at least new projects, new startups, new companies, that there is a lot of focus on cloud computing, which makes sense because there's a lot of advantages to it. However, there is a lot of existing companies, a lot of very large companies, a lot of very established companies that don't necessarily need all of the cloud computing right now because they already have an established infrastructure. They have projects they, they're using. Um, they have applications that are working just fine. And they, you know, like the old saying is, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Ooh. So they don't need all of that. And that's Ooh. sort of, because I like to look at computing and technology in general, it's sort of a practical approach. Like mm-hmm. It's all good that we know, hey, this is the new JavaScript framework, this is how we use it. But if you can't apply it to something that's practical, eh, I'm not really that interested. So. Having said all that, that's sort of where multi-cloud came in mm. for me. It's it's one of those ways that, especially with Azure, where mm-hmm. because Microsoft has such a, a large customer base from before cloud computing was a thing, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Microsoft customers that go, I don't need all of Azure, but that little bit there I'd love. And that's where mm. that whole idea of multi-cloud or even you know hybrid came into being. Um, and there's so many advantages and disadvantages as well mm. about using cloud computing. Um, a multi-cloud. So that's sort of, that was the very long answer to how I got into to multi-cloud or, or, or mm-hmm. hybrid mm-hmm. Uh, computing. Awesome. Yes, I completely agree. As you said, I can correlate this to a number of customer scenarios that I have been exposed to, uh, like wherein they cannot 
uh, like at a stretch move everything to the cloud or they might want certain services from Azure, certain from some other service provider. Yes, it completely makes sense like how um, enterprises are adapting to cloud. In their journey, multi-cloud becomes inevitable. Yes. Totally. So, from your expertise, enlighten us saying like, how to do it and what are all the options available in my journeys to uh, in my in my journey to migrate to the cloud? Sure, sure. Um, mm. So if we if we look at it sort of multi cloud, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about, but it's cloud in general. Mm -hmm. um, there's really two in my world, there's kind of two versions of multi cloud. Mm -hmm. One is, well, you use more than one cloud provider. Like most often it's two. Like very rarely do you use more than two, and it's mm -hmm. it's often AWS and something else. Mm -hmm. um, now it's moving more and more towards being Azure and something else as well. But mm -hmm. you know, let's be real and say, well, AWS is the biggest cloud provider, the biggest mm -hmm. platform for most users. So it's often is AWS is one of those options, mm -hmm. but it's it's rarely more than two, mm -hmm. um, and even two is very tricky um, mm -hmm. to to be untold, depending on how you sort of plan on using multi cloud, because mm -hmm. you could have um, what's called a siloed approach. So it's sort of like when you start a new project within your company, mm -hmm. right, you choose Azure or you choose AWS, or you choose mm -hmm. Azure or you choose TCP or whatever it is that your two options are. And mm -hmm. the, 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 and then you, you're in within that silo. You don't ever mm -hmm. go into the other cloud. So the company itself is multi-cloud, mm -hmm. but the products usually are not. So that's one way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Another way of doing it is that you have this sort of application by application or, or feature Yes. Um, selection yes. for the cloud. So it could yes. be, for example, yes. if you have a, a large database that yes. has images in it, well, maybe all the image functionality is hosted in one cloud because it's better at that, and yes. all the business logic is in another cloud. Um, yes. And then you get this sort of multi-cloud approach to the same product or even the same features sometimes. Yes. That can have a lot of benefits, but it's also mm -hmm. often a lot more complex and, and more difficult. So yes. that's sort of, that's one side is sort of proper multi-cloud. Yes. Now, the other yes. The second choice for multi-cloud in my world is hybrid. Yeah. Because if you do a hybrid setup, that means that you have something on-premises. So mm -hmm. that's often your existing data center. Um, and you have something that's in the cloud. And for all intents and purposes, those are two clouds, right? It's multi-cloud, even though one is sort of on your data center. But, mm -hmm. you know, cloud computing, it's just a data center, right? So those are the two ways that you can do uh, mm -hmm. multi-cloud. And then what was the other part of your question was how, how do you get started with it? Is that what you were Correct, asking? correct. Yes. How should my journey look like? What is What are all the considerations should I have when I choose the cloud service provider? Or, uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's what you have to, um, first of all, you have to assess, do, do I need multi-cloud? Mm. Like, because obviously it's much simpler if you're mm -hmm. on a single cloud. Mm. And if, if it's AWS or Azure or even GCP, those clouds have most of the services that you would need, I would argue. Like they're so developed and they're so mature that mm -hmm. it's you don't need to have necessarily mm -hmm. a, a multi-cloud setup. Now, there could be certain benefits, and I'll just look at my cheat sheet here for, for why you would go multi-cloud because mm -hmm. I can't remember all, all the different mm -hmm. things. But, mm -hmm. um, for example, pricing, right? So you could mm -hmm. choose the service that has the best price. So if storage was really cheap on one cloud and less, you know, not so much in the other one, maybe you move a lot of your storage application storage onto mm. that cloud. Mm. It could have something to do with scalability so that when you uh, have to scale something really fast, well, maybe one cloud is really is better for a certain product than another. Um, mm -hmm. It could be a well, resilience because, well, mm. if you have 
if you had the same service on multiple clouds, well, if, if one breaks for whatever reason, whether there's an issue on the cloud or your application dies or whatever, you can then roll over to the other cloud. Now you would have to, you would have to have an application that's really important, right? To do that, but it is a possibility. Um, performance could be another thing. Um, some, some cloud features just are better performing than others. Um, it could be uh, a risk management thing so that, you know, it's just a, a business strategy, a business policy that they would need to have a backup or failover in all mm -hmm. cases. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a bank or if you're, you know, I don't know government something, if, if you have there stuff that's really... not accommodate any... Yeah, exactly. So, so there's many reasons why you might go multi-cloud, but you definitely need to consider those reasons, right? You don't want to just jump into it. Absolutely, absolutely. So now I understand that what could be the signs when I will have to consider uh, multi-cloud, that is especially the resilience part. Yes, I can uh, like, I, I can understand, correlate to the mm -hmm. scenarios where it would be critical. We, we say in case of banking applications, absolutely no downtime where I cannot rely on a single service provider. Also, I would like to know, are there any complexities in dealing with multiple service providers? How interoperable are they when I have a part of my application in Azure and part of the other component running in other service provider? How interoperable are they? Um, I think the short answer is not a lot. <laughs> I did say okay. or not very. Because um, there's no, if you're AWS, why would you want to mm -hmm. basically encourage someone to use a competitor, right? Now, having said that, Azure does have quite mm -hmm. a few services that do work on multiple clouds, multiple environments. Mm -hmm. um, the, the most prominent one in the last couple of years is Azure Arc. Mm -hmm. So Azure Arc, as in ARC, like an Arc, it, um, is a service that you can install on another data center. So that could be mm -hmm. your on-premises data center. It could mm -hmm. be AWS, it could be GCP, and you can uh, manage, say, virtual machines, um, uh, SQL Server, Kubernetes, and so one more thing, I can't remember now exactly, mm -hmm. um, but you can manage certain services or fundamental services, really, mm -hmm. from Azure, even though mm -hmm. they're somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Sentinel uh, SIEM, uh, which mm -hmm. is secure? Oh, what is SIEM short for? I can never remember that. Security and incident something something management. Mm -hmm. Look it up. <laughs> that also works across cloud. Mm -hmm. So your security response and your security management, all that you can get all that data from AWS mm -hmm. into Azure. Um, there's tools that makes it really easy to move things from AWS to Azure. Now that's not really multi-cloud. That's sort of migration part of it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's that. There's not a lot of tools that goes from AWS, for example, because, well, why would they? So um, you would have to, in many cases, or most cases, I'd say, have to build your own systems that monitors and manages multi-cloud. Um, and that might be all right. It might not be a big deal. It might be a really big deal. Um, if it's something like database, man database management, that's not that difficult. There's lots of tools that allows you to have different endpoints. If it's a custom thing that has to look at, you know, your ticketing system or your ordering system, it might be a lot of work to have that sort of uh, um, admin stuff set up. So it depends a little bit, but I would say it's not it's not that easy to get into. Yes. It's usually people that don't have to do the work that decides it. 
<laughs> okay so i understand that the operational complexities uh, pitch in when i have uh, my application spread across multiple service providers um having said this are there any compelling reasons why enterprises choose to go multi cloud uh, out of your uh, experiences have you seen any situations which uh, demands for a multi cloud setup considering all these operational challenges uh definitely um a lot of the companies that have gone into multi cloud early on are the ones that that had so many internal divisions mm-hmm. that they just didn't have a, a common sort of platform as such uh, they didn't have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. but they were so independent in all the different parts of the company that they sort of all went multi cloud and then suddenly they had to all talk to each other mm-hmm. and usually how that was done was through microservices okay. so you would you know expose mm-hmm. an endpoint where you can get some data out I know Amazon internally is built like that I believe so mm-hmm. all the different parts of Amazon all talk to each other through microservices and endpoints mm-hmm. um but something like compliance um mm-hmm. if you need to be compliant with a particular uh standard for mm-hmm. auditing or a government regulation or mm-hmm. you know in the US it's very very prominent to have um like security stuff within like a government um standard I can't remember what they're called now but there's a whole bunch of different government standards so much so about both AWS and Azure have specific mm-hmm. government cloud yes um so that could be a very compelling reason mm-hmm. a lot of countries have data that they won't allow to go out of the country like yes. here in Australia there's certain you know personal information and things that mm-hmm. you can't share outside of the of the country's borders mm. um so that could be another reason is that you need a data center that's in a particular region Mm-hmm. that's becoming less and less um important i guess because there are so many regions now both from AWS and Azure yeah. mm-hmm. um so so but there are definitely uh, ideas and then there's just some companies just don't like to be locked in they got like, if we put all our eggs in this one cloud basket over here and talk only AWS or Azure well mm-hmm. now we don't like that we want to be able to to you know jump ship or or spread mm-hmm. our risk uh, as mm-hmm. it were so mm-hmm. yeah Yes, yes, I can completely correlate. Yes, so when my uh, say, uh, correct me if I am wrong with the understanding. What I um, understood from your explanation is enterprise has different business units which need to talk to each other for executing their business operations, but they have different skill set of people and completely independent modules in which each of them can choose to go with an independent service provider and uh, uh, making these as microservices. they can still um, achieve the communication to execute the business yes yeah for sure um and that, that's always going to be an individual choice so hmm. i mean i can't speak for even one company i don't work for right it's, it has to be a choice that you go through what your business model is and what you need to do and you need to evaluate all the different risks and the benefits and all those things before you make a decision and even then you probably not sure you made the right decision like it's it's such a complex uh, environment mm-hmm. to operate in that um if you have to go with one cloud or multi cloud or you know some companies even like choose the cloud you want mm-hmm. um kind of approach to within divisions and mm-hmm. often there will be some direction and there will mm-hmm. be something that companies sort of go ah you know you, you maybe not choose you know oracle cloud for whatever reason or ibm cloud or whatever yeah. it might be right mm-hmm. um that's definitely something that happens but yeah. other like it, it's often and especially if you start a new project if you have if you're in a, a small team that go hey you got to build this prototype or you got to try this mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. if you get 
hey, I've got $200 free Azure credits. Well, you're probably going to just use them, right? And just figure out mm. how it works and try and do a trial. So mm. that sometimes that comes about that, that way as well, where someone just uses it and they go from there. Yes. So have you uh, observed scenarios wherein um, people have migrated from AWS to Azure? If yes, what are all the reasons? Why do they migrate? And how this uh, journey has been, Lars? Yeah. Um, some, I, I haven't come across anyone that's sort of gone and what's called lift and shift, like they've taken everything yeah. and moved because mm -hmm. it's so complicated and yeah. so difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, but there will be, you know, maybe someone got a really good deal from, um, from Azure, you know, for Microsoft saying, Hey, you know, you get three years free. I don't know. That's not mm -hmm. an actual deal, but say mm -hmm. they got a, a really good deal from saying, mm -hmm. we, you know, you got to move there and you got to do this. Yeah. Maybe there's a service they really need. Um, maybe they have a hybrid setup um, mm. so that they started using AWS, mm -hmm. say, five, six years ago, and now they're at a point where there's so much data on their on-premises stuff and there's so mm -hmm. much you know, functionality that they're like, hey, well, if we don't have to shift it, if we don't have to move it AWS, we can use a hybrid approach. Mm. Well, why wouldn't we then move some of this um, that we have on AWS to Azure? So that's happened. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's more often than not, it's it's specific products or it's specific teams that will move, or mm -hmm. there will be a directive from say some of the big banks in Australia mm -hmm. have started going with with Azure. Um, I don't know if it's instead of AWS or at mm, the same okay. time. I'm not a hundred percent sure, mm. um, but they have definitely moved some of their products um, and wanted help in hey, we need to upskill all these people and how do mm. we then. Um, go about learning all this in bulk, basically, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of what I've been doing with, with Eclat Guru. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it definitely happens. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think there's two cloud migration journeys that are the same. Mm -hmm. They're all very unique and they're all very specific to what these companies need mm -hmm. uh, because it's such a big deal. Um, it's true. But it, it definitely happens. And as cloud becomes cheaper, more approachable, mm -hmm. easier to use, mm -hmm. uh, available in more places well there's definitely going to be more focus on having either one or two cloud platforms you know that you can just use if you're a development team i, I definitely think that's part of the future absolutely so uh, we have a number of customers who are in the bistock servers and they are uh, attempting to migrate their uh, integrations to azure uh, that is mm -hmm. from on-premise to azure so have you encountered such a scenario or you're familiar, like what are all common challenges that they would encounter and how can they accelerate this? Any insights here? Yeah. I mean, first step is always, do I really have to, <laughs> right? Like, do, do I really need to move it? Because it's yeah. often we get carried away with this sort of like, oh, cloud's going to make it all cheaper and it's going to be better and we need to build it again and it'll be much better. And it's not always that is the yeah. case. Mm. Um, so there needs to be a real d discussion and conversation around mm. what's the benefit I'm going to get out of this mm. you know, practical um, mm. move to, to Azure. Mm. And then from there, it's, it's a picking the lowest hanging fruit which is a bit of a cliche term mm -hmm. but it does make sense that it's if you have a project that's very either very um, defined so it's on its mm -hmm. own with very few dependencies we'll try and move that because mm -hmm. if it breaks you're not going to break 16 other things around it mm -hmm. yeah um, mm -hmm. or you might go for a hybrid approach to begin with so that you move something like authentication you move that mm -hmm. to azure so if you have a you know an authenticated um authentication flow in your application where you have to log in with you know mm. whatever username password mm. or you're 
Facebook account or whatever it is, we'll move that part to Azure because mm. that's one of those things that's really hard to maintain and manage and develop. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you use a, a def, you know a finished um, product like mm-hmm. Azure Active Directory, then you can move mm-hmm. that part and you still get everything is still working the same way, but you have this authentication flow and management of users that is essentially someone else's problem. Like it's, you still have to manage some of it, right? Yeah. So it's, I would always say it's a, like find the bits that make sense to move mm-hmm. first off, mm-hmm. the bits that have low risk, that have mm-hmm. the least complexity, mm-hmm. and then try and move that mm-hmm. if you're moving things from on-premises to Azure. Um, because it's, there are things that you didn't expect. There always is. <laughs> so <laughs> having, having the least complexity is good when you start out. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So first step, evaluate and then decide whether your business needs it at this point in time or not. And then identify yep. those components which are eligible to be moved to um, the cloud, which can be independently moved without impacting rest of your application. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. A really good piece of advice. And then comes the choice of service provider and then uh, how compatible are they and then proceeding further, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Also, yeah. So, so what we're talking about, there's sort of six different ways of looking at mm. um, how you move things to Azure. Let me just, yeah, I'm just going to, I've got my little notes here just so yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, I get sure. everything right. Um, <laughs> so there's sort of, they're called the six R's because um, mm-hmm. you know, everything starts with R. It's a very marketing okay. thing, but anyway, okay. <laughs> make sure you remember. Um, so first of all, you can do the, what, what we just talked about, which is re-hosting, basically lift and shift. So is there a possibility for you to take your, code your features your functions your products and move them as one Into thing, a container right? or yeah. yeah and that's like if you talk to middle management in any it company or, or big company they always love to say lift and shift because it sounds easy and it never is right it's it's still really <laughs> difficult it's still very complex um mm-hmm. but it is a way of doing it and say hey we're going to try and not break anything and not change anything we'll and just have the benefit of the cloud especially in terms of reliability scalability mm-hmm. Um, storage costs, VM costs, all those things. Try and get yeah. those benefits out of it. Basically, the IaaS, the infrastructure as a service kind of benefits of cloud. Yes. Um, then the next sort of level up is replatforming. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you stay, everything stays the same, your architecture, your services, but you take advantage of the cloud platform features. Um, mm-hmm. It Usually, you get better results than just a lift and shift, mm-hmm. you know, relatively speaking, because you, you just take advantage of the cloud. You're not just moving things as if they were on-premises, right? Um, you can repurchasing. So um, you might move a product to the cloud and then use a already built-in cloud product. Mm-hmm. So for example, it could be instead of having your own email platform, you when you move to Azure, you start using Office 365. Right. Okay. Yeah. So mm. things like that, where mm. you sort of you you swap things, you you out, you basically you outsource it, right? Because you're sort mm. of going, no, no, I'm going to let someone else build this product. Mm. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, you can refactor it. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's always uh, a, a good opportunity. Most developers would like to refactor because, as developers, we always go, well, I can do that better, right? Mm. So um, <laughs> we want to we want to go and refactor someone else's code. Um, but it also means you refactor features and architecture. So that's much more involved, um, but it might be necessary. It might be a good opportunity to take a product that was sort of maybe slapped together and actually do it properly. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, you could just retire things. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not relevant anymore and you have three customers left. You go, well, we're going to mm-hmm. have to talk to them and say, we're just going to kill this product. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, or you just retain what you got. 
So those are the six R's, right? Rehost, <laughs> replatform, repurchase, refactor, retiring, and retake. Retake, yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely easy to remember and uh, easy to connect to. Thanks for that, Lars. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. That's right. Um, yeah, so what was your question before that? Sorry, now I got lost. <laughs> that's, that's the best part, you know. Okay. Uh, so my question was, even I got lost. <laughs> okay. So we were talking about um, how should the journey from on-prem to Azure be? For the benefit yep. of our oh and uh, how do you choose your platform as well yeah yeah um oh again it's like if you have a preferred platform um mm -hmm. almost go with that i mean mm -hmm. it's, I, I would choose azure because i know it so well um but to be honest azure mm -hmm. aws and gcp are pretty much the same there's mm -hmm. not a massive difference in terms of features um and, and etc but one thing that does change is the tooling that's probably mm -hmm. a good one, good thing to point out. Mm -hmm. um, if you already have a development team, if you have software developers or infrastructure people or whoever employed mm -hmm. that are used to a certain tool set, mm -hmm. so for me, that would be Visual Studio, it would be mm -hmm. Visual Studio Code, mm -hmm. be C Sharp, it would be you know, either like a NoSQL database, like maybe MongoDB or Cosmos DB or even SQL Server. Mm -hmm. If you have people have that expertise, well, try and retain that, right? Correct. So if you... Yeah, and it's and, and again, most of the platforms are sort of okay with whatever you want to do. Like Azure doesn't care what programming language you use as long as it's on Azure. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're a Python developer or a Ruby or PHP or Java or C sharp or JavaScript or whatever, they mm -hmm. all work on the cloud. Mm. Um, but it might might have something to do with your tooling. Um, mm. Yeah. That could be that could be a consideration. Absolutely, absolutely. Take advantage of the skill set that you possess. And mm. yes, so yes, and the last few minutes have been a lot of learning in the space of multi cloud. Yes, uh, like what enterprises should consider, when should they consider, and what are all the options available. And thanks a lot for bringing all these key points into the table today for discussion, Lars. It was a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you so oh, much. Absolutely. I, yeah, it went fast. <laughs> to end this episode, do you have any uh, key takeaways for people who are in the uh, consideration of migration to the cloud? How how welcoming is the cloud world? And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would almost say that no matter you know if you're considering it, do it because there's so many benefits in cloud. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a you know Microsoft Azure MVP or I do cloud training for a living or whatever. It generally <laughs> it is. It, it, yes. There's so much benefit in it. Mm. Um, you abstract so many things you don't want to know about, like hardware exactly. faults and networking equipment and all those things that you know you would spend so much time on as a business trying to figure out. All that's done for you. Yes, you pay a price for it, mm -hmm. but that's the cool thing. And yes, there are security breaches once once in a while, but I bet you you have them as well. And you might even know about might not even know about them. Um, so yeah, if you're considering cloud computing, well, just stop considering, just, just do it, find a way. <laughs> Absolutely, Lars, yes. Whomever is there in the IT field for a decade or so, they will really appreciate the way we build applications today, considering how we used to build <laughs> long oh, time man. back. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, so we are living in the best era of uh, application development and 
make use of it that's what uh, we'll have to say like abs um, having been abstracted about all the complexities uh, with the privilege of focusing on the core business values let us build modern applications that would make our life much better yes yeah absolutely awesome awesome lars thanks for being on our show once again kove.com